Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to do things in a little bit of a different order this morning as uh, we will look at this scripture. And while we are heading towards the Lord's table, and then later on we'll be talking specifically about uh, our mission to Haiti. Now, our mission's philosophy uh, here at St. Andrews is that we are focusing on three major areas of the world, on England, Ukraine, and Haiti. Now, we have missionaries we support in other parts of the world, but in those areas, they will be our primary areas of focus, and we will return to them again and again and seek to build relationships with the people there. Because we are convinced that it is in relationship with the people of that country that there will be a greater impact. This table before us is about relationship. It is about relationship between man and God. That God himself initiated and provided for. And that's what we celebrate today. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 12. And I I would just let you know that the, the passage prior to this in 11 is about the Lord's Supper. So this is, in essence, a a follow-up to that from the Apostle Paul, beginning with the 12th verse. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now, Paul at this point uh, illustrates what he's talking about by using the human body. And he takes various parts of the body and says, if you know the hand says it's not a part of the body, does that make it not a part of the body? And the answer is, of course not. It's still a part. And, and every part of the body is essential. That's his point in these middle verses. And then he says this uh, down in 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, our tendency, and I will uh, freely admit that it's been my tendency as well when it comes to this particular passage, is to focus upon how it applies to our local church. Uh, We tend to talk about areas of giftedness, how each one of you is essential to this part of the body of Christ. That is an accurate exposition of this Scripture. But there is another aspect that needs to be considered, and in our context, what we need to do is to step back from that and look at the bigger picture and understand that this is just as true for the church universal, 
for the church around the world. Here's what I mean. Today, after we celebrate communion, we're going to talk about Haiti. We need to always be careful when we think about going to another country, and that includes our three areas of focus, that we not think of those we are going to as less than us. In other words, that we've got something great that we can go and we can help them with, and they've got nothing to offer to us. Now, we never say that, but it's something that we've got to fight that tendency whenever we go to another country. Because in general, when you go to another country, you will see that uh, they won't have uh, facilities like we have. They won't have resources like we have. And yet, we've got to go back to this and other Scripture where it says, pertaining to them and to us, for in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. So where it says Jews or Greeks or slave or free, we can read it this way. Haitian or Ukrainian, British or American, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now here's what was going on in this passage. The Jews and Greeks of Paul's day were prejudiced against each other. And when they came to Christ, when they came to faith, they still had to deal with that prejudice, with that racism within them. Uh, We don't relate to Jews or or the Greeks. uh, We don't relate to them. We look down on them. They're not like us. And yet, here Paul is reminding them, look, You're all in the same body. You can't say that they're not a part of us or they're not essential to us any more than the hand can say to the body that it's not a part of the body. And so, the Jews and Greeks needed to learn to accept one another. And Paul is giving them the basis that they all drink of one Spirit. In other words, the exact same Spirit that worked in your heart, you Jews, and that worked in your heart, you uh, Greeks, slave or free, the same Spirit worked in each of your hearts and indwells in there. Likewise with us going to Haiti. Now, the truth is that uh, although we have material resources and can help them, We should just look at that as a part of our gifting. That's a a way that God has gifted us. But when you go there, we have a lot to learn from them about joy and contentment in difficult circumstances. And when you go with that kind of a mindset, there is more opportunity to grow through it and to benefit from them. If you talk to those who've been to other countries this year, we've had trips so far to Ukraine and to Haiti. Or you talk to the parents of kids who've been to Haiti. Almost all of them, if not all of them, would say to you, if you said, what what has caused you to grow the most this last year? 
Most of them would relate it to their trip, to that country. That's been the case in my own life. It's where God stretches us in a way that we aren't necessarily always stretched. So what's that have to do with the Lord's Supper today? Well, here's the thing. You go to Haiti, you quickly realize they're way different than us. They look different than us. Uh, They eat different things. They speak different than us. They dress different than us. By the way, when it comes to worship, they dress better than we do. They They look better than we do when they come to church from the preacher on down. I will just say that. They dress for church. But even that we see, oh, there's a difference there. And they worship different. I'll tell you this. The wildest we ever get here. Why are you laughing when I say the wildest we ever get? You never heard that applied to us, did you? Well, the wildest we ever get here is nothing compared to the joyful enthusiasm they have in worship. Now, I'm not saying we need to do just what they do or they need to do what we do, but we learn from one another. Almost everything about them is different except what we believe about Jesus. And that's the same. And that's what brings us to this table. There is one table we were made to drink of one spirit. So as we eat today, understand that this is what unifies us with Christians around the world. We come, as it were, to the foot of the cross, which this is what this represents. And you've heard it said before, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. And that's true. It took just as much of Jesus to die for me as it did for every Haitian. And so we celebrate our unity in that. In the passage before this one, in 1 Corinthians 11, about the Lord's Supper, Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Then he he gives the warning and invitation. He says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. And so you've got to ask the question, well, what's it mean in an unworthy manner? I don't want to do that. I don't want to profane the body and blood of the Lord. And so he says, let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so as we examine ourselves, what are we looking for? we're looking for sin that we're still treasuring, that we haven't given up, that maybe only because we are coming to this table we are confronted with again. We are looking for idols that we have a grip on 
that would hinder us from focusing upon Christ. And so what do we do when we find those? Well, repent. Turn from to. From that sin to Christ. And to Him for strength to deal with the next time you're confronted with temptation for that sin. And so if you are not a believer yet, and you're here, we're glad that you're here today, but this table's not for you yet. So watch what goes on. Understand the truths of it. Pay attention to that. But this is for those who are trusting in Christ alone for their eternal life. But for some of you who may say, man, I've been struggling with sin, or even with doubt, but I am trusting in Christ alone. This is the place for you to be strengthened, to deal with it now. Even as the elements are being passed, deal with it then so that you can eat and you can drink with joy, the joy of being forgiven. In Him, there is no longer any condemnation. You don't have to take that guilt away from here today. Let's bow. I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, <clears throat> a trip that uh, a team of seven uh, from here took in uh, mid-October of this year. And uh, in a moment, we will see a video, and uh, I'll be referring to that a little bit uh, throughout this. Um, as I begin, one of the questions that uh, generally is asked right away uh, by people hearing that you went to Haiti is, well, what kind of accommodations and what, what was the food like there? Because uh, uh, the tendency is to think, well, so were you sleeping on dirt floors? You know, it's a, it is literally a third world country here in uh, our hemisphere. And yet uh, the accommodations we had were nothing probably like you might picture. Um, they were safe. Uh, they were air-conditioned in our rooms, uh, which makes all the difference in the world in a, a very hot place uh, to be able to get rest at night. Um, in fact, you will see in the video a new guest house. We were uh, the last group before the guest house is going to be being used. You'll see an incredible view from the guest house. Uh, but um, I have stayed in other places in other parts of the world not nearly as nice as this guest house where our groups will be staying from now on. Uh, brand new beds, showers. Uh, we, we had everything, uh, and yet this is going to be even much nicer. So accommodations is not an issue. In terms of the food, I, I believe that we might have been the first group to go from our congregation where nobody got sick. Now, we, uh, we, we did the whole gamut from uh, Matthew uh, doing an experiment of, uh, for those that may not be able to tolerate the food, he didn't eat one bite of Haitian food. He brought all of his own food just for an experiment. He typically would have eaten uh, and uh, he was able to sustain that. We had plenty of water, of course, and filtered water. Uh, and then there were some that didn't eat certain things, and there were some like me 
who ate everything that was put in front of us on the... And I still contend that I may be the only one to have ever gone to Haiti and gained weight uh, <laughs> in, in a short trip. So it, it can be done. Uh, you just have to know yourself and know what your, what your tolerance is. And, and it's not offensive to them. They understand uh, that we've got to be very careful and we want to be well in the time when we are, are down there. So... Uh, those kinds of things should not be a hindrance if they've been concerns of yours. Uh, one of my roles on this team was to do some teaching of pastors. For two days, uh, I taught uh, through an interpreter uh, because my Creole is not that, uh, well, I don't know any Creole. And so, <laughs> so I taught that way. Uh, pastors came literally from all over the country uh, one day there were 38 there. The next day, there were 50. Uh, they expected more, but there had been some rainstorms, and because of the way they travel, that, that will hinder attendance. Uh, but I was very pleased with that. And not only that, I just considered it such a privilege to be able to teach these pastors. Now, these are not ignorant uh, men. They, uh, they all have training, and yet they are all hungry for more training. And it's it is something that we can take to them for their encouragement. Um, and uh, it, the privilege was mine, however, uh, just thinking in terms of these faithful men who took time out to come and to be taught, uh, but who were laboring in very difficult circumstances. Uh, uh, these are real men of God, and uh, we... Um, uh, consider it a privilege to be able to minister to them in some way. We worshiped uh, twice in the morning on Sunday. We got up and went to the 7 a.m. service, which lasts uh, two, two and a half hours. And you say, whoa, I could never make it through that. Well, it's a, let's just say it's a fast-moving service, okay? And uh, it doesn't seem like you're there nearly for that long. And I had the opportunity to preach at that service. This is in a church in Lakai that in, uh, was planted three years ago and now has 1,200 people coming. Uh, they have a morning and evening service, and they um, broadcast on TV there. And what uh, they told me was that because there's not that much, uh, they can't get that much on TV, when something's on TV, everybody watches it, and that includes church. And uh, so they estimate that there may be as many as a million people that watch that broadcast. Um, so it's, it's an incredible opportunity. Um, God providentially picked the message for me to, to preach. I wasn't sure what I was going to. I talked with Brian uh, Clifton some about it, and uh, we came to a conclusion of a particular message, and Providentially, that was a day there was a, a tragedy where uh, one in a family of American missionaries was killed in a motorcycle wreck. And uh, the message that I preached, uh, and they didn't know the outcome of it. They heard at the beginning of the service, let's pray for them. Uh, by the end of the service, they heard that he had died. But uh, the message uh, had to do with uh, God's control, and uh, how our life is but a vapor. And we, we believe that was just God intervene, intervening and uh, guiding in that way. 
in terms of uh, the St. Andrew's House of Hope, and uh, you can see in your worship guide uh, a full uh, timeline of what's taken place. And I want you to look at that at some point. I just want to summarize it very briefly. So you don't need to look at it now, but, but later on look at it. And as you pray, just it's amazing how much has happened in a relatively short amount of time uh, by people like ourselves who were basically a few years ago pretty ignorant of Haiti, and yet God has seen fit to do a work there. Uh, two years ago, a vision trip was taken by some from our church. Uh, St. Andrew's committed to take an area and to focus on that area. Uh, it's called Arnake. The land was purchased. When they purchased it, it was nothing but empty land. And uh, we had a vision for reaching out to take care of orphans, which is a great need there, and eventually to plant a church. A month from when it was announced to our congregation that we wanted to build an orphanage down there, one month later, all the money was in to be able to build the orphanage because of God prompting your hearts to generosity. That was amazing to me. We sent the money because we don't want to go down there and do the actual building because uh, the Haitians need the work and, and so on. And so we sent it. And uh, it was built. El Shaddai Ministries, which is who we are working with, uh, named it the St. Andrew's House of Hope. It's right on the side of the building there. You will see that. The next group that went there, there were orphans there. They were told by Donnie and Louis St. Germain, now from now on, when people from St. Andrew's come here, you will call them Mommy and Poppy. Because of that relationship, they knew that we would be back. And we will, again and again. And we've, we've been going there uh, over and over so far. Last summer, our team went. They had hoped to be able to clear a place near by the orphanage for the kids to at least play soccer on or something like that. They had some shovels, some rakes. That was about it. On the way to the orphanage, they, they saw the roads being worked on and an inquiry was made whether they would bring their heavy machinery over and maybe help out a little bit. They not only helped out, they cleared it, they filled it in, and uh, by the end of the week, there was an open field there for them to be able to play on. It was God working. When they were asked how much it would cost, they said nothing for the orphans. They thought they were doing it for the orphans. They were doing it for God, because he prompted their heart. This trip, uh, we were able to put up some soccer goals on the field, and you'll see the field, they had it marked like a professional field almost immediately. They take their uh, football very seriously there. And we put up swing sets. You, you would have thought that we had built carowinds there, and you will see the children as they get, and they, they didn't even know how to swing. They had never seen many of them swing sets. Since we left in October, the well is being finished, and the church is almost completed. It wasn't started when we left. It's almost complete. It'll seat 300 people. I won't be surprised to see a church full of people there the next time we go back. That's how God is working. 
You'll also see uh, an area where there is a, a pool of water where, where people are um, they're actually drinking from a pipe and so on. That's something that, again, your generosity enabled them to do. It serves some 12,000 people. People were dying because of the poisoned water there. And now you'll see one drinking right from the pipe. And that's God working. Now, I told you about our mission philosophy, going deep and building relationships. Uh, As I said, I, I spent two days teaching, and then I finally got to the orphanage. I was standing there, and Louis St. Germain was there. Wherever he goes, children gather around. He is that respected among them. He is uh, uh, the pastor in uh, Lakai, but they know him very well. And he said, how many of you remember Abby? Now, Abby is, he said this in Creole, Abby is our daughter who's been there twice and uh, was there last summer. And by the way, I'm convinced he could have said any of the kids' names that were there last summer. But he said, how many of you remember Abby? And they were at his feet, and a number of them raised their hand. And he pointed at me, and he said, said, Papa Abby. It means that's Abby's father. And the children ran over to me to hug me and to touch me because I was Abby's father. As uh, I sat down, and of course you'll see they climb all over you, several of them kept saying, Papa Abby, Papa Abby. That's the relationship that uh, is being built there. It was such a confirmation to see that uh, our philosophy is going in a right direction of building deeper relationships. You know, if you come here on a Sunday night, and even after our service tonight, our youth uh, will be praying. And they will pray the names of those orphans. I was so moved when I saw them doing that. Is that going to make a difference? You better believe it. We are praying that that orphanage will be, uh, the St. Andrew's House of Hope will be the best place for orphans to grow up in Haiti. And that God will raise up from there leaders in the church and in the country. And I believe God can do that. With our philosophy of going back uh, among the people again and again, and we, we will do that until they know us. But more importantly than just knowing us, we want them to know Christ in us. That's the whole point there. Now, we're getting ready to enter into Advent. It's hard to believe, but next week we start Advent. What do we celebrate in Advent? The Incarnation. You know what the Incarnation is? It is God taking on flesh. God sending His one and only so that we would be drawn all the more to Him. You know, those orphans, they wanted to be near me 
the Father, not because they knew anything about me, but because of the child, because of Abby. God sent His child to us to draw us more and more to Him. And that's what He's doing. Let's pray.